Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Around 7am yesterday morning, a plane carrying 180 Australians from the coronavirus-hit Diamond Princess cruise ship in Japan took off for Darwin. They had just spent a further 14 days of their holiday locked in their cabins, hoping to avoid being infected. Still a bit surreal, I think, you know, until we actually know we're on the flight. We're kind of waiting and hoping that we are going to get on that plane. That's Deb Winkler talking to us from her Diamond Princess cabin right before she was allowed to leave. She tells us what two weeks of COVID-19 cruise ship confinement was really like. Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. Yesterday morning, just shy of the 200 Australians that had been aboard the Diamond Princess cruise ship in Japan as it remained in lockdown due to the coronavirus outbreak, were finally allowed to leave. As we go to air, close to 200 Australians evacuated from the Diamond Princess cruise ship in Japan are finally on their way home. Just hours away from touching down in Darwin, where they'll spend another two weeks in quarantine. Their ordeal had started back on February 5, when they were informed while just off the coast of Kawasaki that 10 people on the ship had tested positive to the virus that had started to take hold on the Chinese mainland. Activities were cancelled, passengers confined to their cabins and the massive task of looking after 3,000 people in quarantine began. Eventually, 542 people linked to the ship, including passengers, crew and healthcare workers, including 36 Australians, would come down with COVID-19. Two people have died. Some chose to remain behind to take care of loved ones who'd tested positive. Some had their freedom snatched away in the final moments, like Melbourne woman Anne Nartan, whose daughter Caitlin returned a positive result just a few hours before they were due to leave. Canberra local Deb Winkler was taking a well-earned break from her job with the federal government when she and her husband decided to head over to Japan to hop on the Diamond Princess. Deb, how were you first made aware that something was going down on board? Well, when we got to Okinawa, we had an extremely lengthy quarantine procedure. We all had our temperatures taken. In fact, we docked about 1.30 and my husband and I didn't get off and through quarantine until 6 o'clock that night. So we were due to arrive into Yokohama on the 4th, but took them really until the end of quite late on the 4th when we're all supposed to be off the ship to finalise the first 
tranche of temperature testing. Then we were madly ringing trying to cancel flights because we were flying back that same day. Everybody was madly trying to organise themselves. I don't think at that stage any of us thought that we're going to be there for 14 days because there wasn't a lot of information in the couple of days. It was quite patchy. And then we were confined to our cabins for about five days. Can you talk us through what it's like? First of all, what kind of cabin did you have? Did you have an inside or an outside cabin? Could you see the sky? Uh, No, we couldn't see the sky. So we're in an inside cabin. Luckily, we're in a larger inside cabin, but, you know, not being able to see daylight and open a door to get fresh air, that's been pretty confining. First time we got out into fresh air, we were allowed out for one and a half hours after five days. When you were back in your cabin, what was your day-to-day life like? Because I'm presuming there's no cooking facilities or did you have access to water and how was your food provided? How was your kind of day-to-day in there? Obviously, every cabin's got a small fridge and we've got an electric jug. First few days, we did a lot of boiling of water. Then they would deliver water to our room, generally a two, two litre bottles per day. Late in the piece, we got a very large water cask. Your life does kind of really revolve around meals when you're stuck in a cabin. So breakfast would come any time between 7 to 11 and then lunch would come sometime between 12.30 and 2.30 and then dinner would generally come sometime between 6.30 and 8. What were you doing for the rest of the time? You've got 14 days with only an hour or so here or there to go get fresh air. What did you do? Generally, we'd try and make the bed first thing in the morning, so at least the room was a bit tidier. We'd get up and we'd get dressed. They were producing a wake show. They have one, you know, when you're cruising. So they produced one specifically for the period where they'd have some, you know, exercise, some origami, some quiz questions. So we'd watch that and do that stuff. They increased the internet bandwidth they said to unprecedented levels they were on a cruise ship wasn't enough for us to download Netflix or anything like that but I've spent more time on the internet than I've probably ever spent on the internet in my life sending messages on Facebook responding to people talking to people on messenger they give us a daily sudoku After a few days, they started printing the newspaper of key things that were happening around the world. When we'd been in port, they gave us newspapers, Japan Times and the New York Times. So you read those things cover to cover. You read things that you probably wouldn't read any other time. They put messages up onto the TV from different schools and businesses in Japan that they'd got from people saying, you know, we're there to support you, etc. How were you kept um, informed of the spread of the virus? Were you updated? Was there like a PA system? How did that all work? And how did you oh, yeah. feel about the virus itself? Were you guys worried for your own health? There is a PA system and we were getting regular updates a couple of times a day from the captain. However, sometimes we were finding out things by the media 
or via other contacts before we were informed on the ship. Were you guys being tested regularly? Were there health workers coming to your cabin? I did read somewhere that you guys were given masks and thermometers to monitor yourselves. So we've been given about half a dozen different masks. We're all asked very early on whether we had any medications that we needed. We were in the 20% minority on this cruise. There's only 20% of people under the age of 60. <laughs> the rest were 60 and over, so there are quite a lot of 70- and 80-year-olds on the cruise ship. They brought on lots of extra Japanese medical staff, and it's increased over time. I think the last few days there's been people come and knock on the door to find out just to ask how we were or we've had phone calls in the cabin. Earlier on, that wasn't the case. So we were only tested on Sunday night with the swab test. So they've progressively been doing more people, which is why you saw a lot more people being diagnosed because we'd just been taking our temperatures before that. How was it when you finally realised that February 19 has arrived and it's time to get off this ship? What's the feeling? Well, there's still a bit of bated breath because they keep saying, you know, we're going to keep testing you until you get onto the flight. So they've been to our room, they've taken our temperatures, so we've passed that hurdle and we've got our luggage tags and our wristbands that we have to wear. But it's still a bit surreal, I think, you know, until we actually know we're on the flight and kind of waiting waiting and hoping that we are going to get on that plane. There's 3,000 passengers on the boat, but there's also just over 1,000 staff members. What would you say to the crew who've worked through all of this and who've just been told, I'm informed, that they'll have to do a further two-week quarantine as well after you guys all leave? How do you feel about the staff of the Diamond Princess? Look, I think they've done an amazing job in really quite difficult circumstances. I'm sure some of their staff conditions are not as spacious as some of the paying guests, but the staff have been quite cheery when they've been coming and delivering the meals and stuff like that. They've put on the wake show. They've created all these different other activities to keep people engaged. So, yeah, no, I think they've done quite a remarkable job in circumstances that no one really could have predicted would last for this long. Deb and her husband flew out of Japan yesterday morning and will now be at the Howard Springs disused workers' camp just outside of Darwin, where conditions are nowhere near the comfort of a Diamond Princess cabin, but where they will have to stay before being allowed to finally head back home coronavirus-free. This episode of The Quickie was produced by Melanie Tate with audio production by Ian Camilleri. And if you're thinking about starting a family but haven't quite got there yet, have a listen to the brand new member of the Mamma Mia podcast family, Get Me Pregnant. The latest ep takes you through everything you need to know about IVF, the good and the bad. Check it out and download Get Me Pregnant in your fave podcast app today.